Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. One of the things I've learned among many while hosting this podcast series and uh, something I hopefully have shared with all of you is that uh, the courtroom process, as we feel we're familiar with, that arises from a lawsuit is really uh, an exception rather than the norm. Uh, The vast number of cases uh, are settled out of court, uh, allowing parties to avoid that court process altogether. Uh, Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and my pleasure to be back with you again. Um, The process of reaching an out-of-court agreement will be the focus of our discussion today as I welcome back to the podcast one of our uh, original and still frequent contributors, Attorney Matthew Sheehan. Matthew is a partner at uh, Lavelle Law, an experienced and highly regarded litigator who will take us through this process this afternoon. So welcome back, back, Matt. Good afternoon. Good to talk to you. Good afternoon, Jim. Glad to be back. Um, So can you Further highlight or substantiate that first comment I made there about the fact that um, the majority of of cases and lawsuits actually settle before they get into a courtroom. Yeah, I don't I don't know the exact percentages, but somewhere uh, you know of all the cases that are filed in Illinois, uh, only about somewhere between five to ten percent actually go to trial. So um, almost all the cases filed, you know, no, probably a ninety percent chance or better, are not going to go to trial. Um, now, some of those are disposed of in a variety of manners. Uh, either the plaintiff abandons the suit um, or uh, a, a, the defendant files a, a winning motion is able to knock out the lawsuit, but the great majority of cases are resolved by settlement. And uh, once the parties reach a an understanding uh, of what that entails, then they will need to draft a what we call a written settlement agreement usually contains a mutual release as well for all the parties to execute, and uh, that will be the kind of contract between the parties as to how to resolve the lawsuit. And that, that word contract is, is interesting because I, I want to talk about it today, just uh, you know, what, what constitutes this form of agreement. Um, but before we get into some of the, the details, just in general, because of those percentages, you know, does, does settling, does that – save time? Does it save money? Does it provide other benefits uh, as opposed to going to court? Yes, and, and I would I would even take that one step further. You know, in most cases, if you're, if you're resolving the case prior to litigation, you may have something, um, you know, similar to a settlement agreement, mutual release. But most of the agreements that I'm talking about are are usually entered into after a case is actually filed. Um, depends on how far the parties have gone. Cases settle mm-hmm. at all different times during during litigation. Sometimes it may settle right when the defendant gets served and you work out a deal before they ever have to really go to court. Other times it's literally on the courthouse steps getting ready to go to trial or even during trial. Uh, a deal can be reached, and 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 obviously any time in between. But um, I, you know, I find that uh, sometimes in cases you need to go through some discovery, uh, see the other uh, sides' documents, see the other sides' witnesses, maybe even depose the plaintiff and defendant to get a better understanding of their uh, version of events before a settlement is ripe. Um, but certainly, the earlier you can settle, um, 
the more advantageous for the parties, uh, only because they will be saving obviously a lot of time and expense on attorney fees. And it is, you know, litigation is a stressful experience for most people. Yeah. And what what sort of terms might be found in a settlement agreement? Is it is it pretty much open ended as to anything that can be brought in a suit might end up as somehow terms in an agreement? Yeah. It it really depends on the type of case. If it's if it's more of a straightforward collection case, uh, you know, party A sued party B and B owes them money, uh, they may enter into a settlement agreement that, you know, for example, if it's for a hundred thousand dollars um, maybe that defendant doesn't have $100,000 right at once. That would be some sort of a payment plan. Um, you know, maybe they're paying 10000 a month until the amount is paid off. But there's other things that can come into that type of settlement agreement. Um, plaintiff, uh, well, I would say for both parties, the advantage is they get certainty. They know exactly what the number is going to be. They know exactly how it's going to be paid. They know what dates those payments are going to be made. They know that uh, they get closure as well. They get to end the lawsuit. Um, they get to uh, stop paying the attorneys and stop having to worry about a pending lawsuit. Um, they also get um, the one time that they have control over the case. You know, going to trial, you really lose control in the sense that you're leaving it up to a judge or a jury to decide what happens to your in, in your business dispute. So I would say the, the kind of the three C's that both parties get. They get that certainty, they get that closure, and they get that control. Um, but obviously each party has a different interest as to what they would want in, in, in as far as terms in a settlement agreement. Uh, a plaintiff may want... For example, if it's over time and it's a large amount of money, they may want some kind of collateral. They may want uh, some security. Uh, is there a hard asset that they can put a lien on so that in case the defendant defaults, that they have something to collect from? They may also, if they're going to you know, accept payments over time, they may want interest over the timing of those payments. Um, of course, the defendant will not want security and will not want mm -hmm. to pay interest. Uh, and those are some of the typical terms that are negotiated amongst the parties, um, and every case is different and every party is different as to what they want. A lot of times it comes down to what the, you know, what the defendant can, can afford. I certainly don't want to put a defendant into a payment plan that, you know, it's going to default upon immediately. Um, sure. but, uh, so we try to come to that understanding about, you know, what's, you know, what's going to get uh, the the payment done and the case resolved in a way that um, is going to get the plaintiff their money and and uh, allow the defendant to operate its business while still paying them off. And you mentioned the three C's, and earlier you you threw out a fourth there when you mentioned the contract, which I said I wanted to ask you about. When when this uh, process takes place, the settlement agreement, I assume that that whatever the terms are get memorialized in, in a formal document that both sides are are held responsible for then. Yeah, it's usually negotiated amongst the attorneys. So most of the time, if it's just between the attorneys, you know, you can also settle cases with a judge in a settlement conference where the judge tries to help bring the parties together. I think we've had a podcast about that. Uh, we've also, you can also try to settle cases through mediation, which is essentially uh, using retired judges outside the court system to help bring the parties together. Um, but typically, first the attorneys try to resolve it, so it's it's a much more efficient. Um, uh, and and it more you know it's less expensive if you don't have to pay a mediator. Uh, and if you can do that, you're going to go through a lot of the key terms. You know, I, a lot of times I I negotiate with opposing counsel 
let's negotiate the money first. Once we can get the money down, then we can start worrying about the rest. Because if we don't have an agreement on money, there's a lot of the details just won't matter. But if we do have an agreement on money, depending on the case, there's a lot of other things that can come into play. But once you do put it into a written settlement agreement and mutual release, and I'll get into that, um, then essentially all the dispute merges into that document. So whatever the claims were and defenses were, this is the agreement that's going to supersede and control the party's relationship going forward. Uh, ideally, um, the parties per perform what they were obligated to do under the agreement. The case is dismissed, and it never comes back. Uh, of course, in any kind of payment plan where, where there's multiple payments involved, um, the plaintiff is going to want a clause that uh, gets into what happens if the defendant defaults. Um, usually, uh, if it's going to be over a period of, oh, 12 months or two years, three years, um, as a defense counsel, I'll want to put in some, some cure periods in there. Uh, you know, just business issues may come up where a payment may be a week or so late. I don't necessarily want to blow up the whole agreement over that, especially if a, if the defendant is, is, is um, substantially trying to make the payments, plus something the mail just might get messed up, something like that. So we'll typically build in some cure periods. So if they miss a payment, they, there's a notice of default sent out. Maybe they get five to seven, ten days to make good on that payment. As long as they do in the cure period, then there's then are not in default and the the agreement holds true. However, if they do miss that payment and they do not cure the default, then the plaintiff has the opportunity to go into court, reinstate the lawsuit, and many times enter judgment. So let's say we settled the case for $100,000. My client made, and I represent the defendant, my client made $30,000 of payments and then stopped. Now the a lot of times the settlement agreement will say the plaintiff can go in, reinstate the lawsuit, show the court the, the settlement agreement, show the court that $30,000 of payments were made and get a judgment for 70000 without even having to really prove it up, All the, as opposed to the underlying case where there might be a lot of things in dispute in a default situation on a settlement agreement, you're literally just showing, here's our agreement, here's the money we received, they're in default, please give me my judgment. We're, uh, we're, we're getting a great understanding of settlement agreements uh, in lawsuits today, uh, particularly focusing on business aspects of that from, from our guest, Attorney Matthew Sheehan of LaBelle Law. Uh, Matt's been handling litigation cases for a couple of decades, and as, as you'll see on his profile page at LaBelleLaw.com, been highly recognized within the industry for his work. Um, we've heard some, some new terminology today, and, and you referenced the term, uh, uh, I believe it was a release, and said you wanted to come back to that, and it sounds like that's um, kind of part and parcel of the contract here. What, what does that uh, mean in, in terms of these agreements? Yeah, the release is the biggest um, thing that any defendant wants because um, you want uh, to know if I make these payments timely or I make a, the lump sum payment if it's all in one that plaintiff is releasing me, that, that this is it, this is all the money I'm obligated to pay. Once it's paid, I'm completely released. That plaintiff cannot sue me again, cannot come after me for other money. Uh, you know, There's a lot of other terms I usually put in these agreements or certainly try to put in there. One of them is you know, that there may be what I call unknown facts, that the parties may discover something after they sign the settlement agreement, but I don't want that to blow up the settlement agreement. Everyone takes a little bit of that risk that there might be some discovery on down the road that they didn't know about. But uh, if I put that in the settlement agreement, the parties sign off on it, that will not disturb the settlement agreement. Um, there's also, I think, a lot of times um, 
the release is what gets you separates the parties once and for all. The case is dismissed, and, and as long as the payment is made, um, the dispute is over, and, and both parties re- literally release each other from responsibility for anything more. One of the other large um, aspects of uh, a settlement agreement that's uh, favorable to a defendant and, and is very typical is they do not admit liability. There is no finding of guilt in a settlement agreement. In fact, there's usually a provision in there that the parties, you know, that, that there's a lawsuit filed, that allegations and claims have been made, but that the defendant expressly denies and does not admit any liability. So that's very attractive to defendants because they're not admitting any wrong. And secondly, um, most parties, especially defendants, want a confidential confidentiality clause. And those are written in such a way that the you know the terms of the settlement are known only to the parties, their attorneys, probably the accountants, some small group can, of control. And that if if somebody asks you about the lawsuit, you simply say it's it was been it's been resolved, been dismissed, and you don't tell them the details of the monetary payments or exactly how it was done. Most defendants appreciate that as well. Uh, and then when you look at the lawsuit, you see a lawsuit was filed. You see a lawsuit was dismissed pursuant to settlement. But as far as the public knowledge, they don't know exactly what the deal was between these parties. That is private between the parties. And just a minute or so left here, but uh, to clarify as well, once you have reached this agreement uh, with the opposing counsel, does it need to go before the judge then? Do they need to uh, approve it and say, yeah, this this looks fair and not, uh, be a part of it, or, for- or is it up to them? Yeah. Yeah, not really for business disputes as long as the you know the attorneys are coming in as officers of the court and saying that the you know we have a settlement agreement your honor and the parties have signed off on it. We have a dismissal order here. The judge is happy that's one less case for him to worry about or her to worry about and we'll certainly enter that dismissal order. Um you know sometimes the judge was involved in the settlement so that judge may have some knowledge if they participated in the settlement conference, but if the attorneys arrived at it, typically the judge will not know the exact terms. Okay, well, um, love to get into this more, but uh, we are out of time. I'm going to thank uh, Attorney Matthew Sheehan for being with us today and uh, certainly look forward to having him back for future uh, conversations with us. Uh, great, great overview on the topic. And again, uh, let me uh, uh, send you over to lavellelaw.com, a uh, great place to get more information. You're going to find articles, podcasts, uh, plenty of information uh, about issues like this and many others as well. And if you really want to have a direct conversation, that's always welcome at 847-705-7555. You can ask your questions about litigation to Matt or other topics to any of the attorneys at Lavelle Law. We'll look forward to having them back to talk about other topics here on our podcast. Thanks so much for listening.